My name is Scott Nye, and this is Talking Radical Radio. Hello and welcome to Talking Radical Radio, where we bring you grassroots voices from across Canada. We give you the chance to hear many different people that are facing many different struggles talk about what they're doing, how they're doing it, and why they're doing it, in the belief that such listening is a crucial step in strengthening all of our efforts to change the world. On this week's show, I will be speaking with Hilary Lindsay and Omri Haven. Waldegrave Farm is a community land trust that is, collectively held land stewarded for the benefit of the community, located near Tatamagush, Nova Scotia, on that province's north shore. Among the many other ways the land gets used, every summer for more than a decade, the farm has hosted a remarkable event, the Tatamagush Summer Free School. Up to 100 people gather for several days in late August to be a part of what the event's webpage describes as, quote, a radical education space that offers people tools to create a more just, sustainable, and joyful world, end quote. They come from as near as the local village and as far as Montreal, though most come from various parts of Nova Scotia. Many, but not all, are involved in social change work of one kind or another in their everyday lives. They come together to encounter people involved in social change work different from their own, to engage in political and practical learning in a wide range of areas, and to recharge and reinvigorate themselves through celebration and social togetherness. Hilary Lindsay has been involved in organizing the Tatamagush Summer Free School since its inception, and Omri Haven has been a regular attendee in recent years, and this year is on the school's programming committee. They talk with me about the setting, the preparations, the event, and the breadth of the radical learning that happens there. We spoke by Skype to phone from Nova Scotia. My name is Omri. I'm a community organizer here in Halifax, and I'm currently working on a few different projects, mostly having to do with creating spaces for people to do organizing themselves. My name is Hillary. I'm the new project coordinator for an urban farm that's just getting started here in Dartmouth. I've been helping organize free school since it started. This is its 11th year. The free school takes place on Waldegrave Farm, which is a community land trust that I am part of. And so I have that connection to the free school as well. I've lived out at Waldegrave half the time for the past 10 years. I was living out at the farm when we decided to do the first free school. It was our first year living out at Waldegrave. And it was actually the idea of a friend of mine, Drew Jay, who's visiting, who spent a lot of time there. And he had been to something similar that was almost like a family camp or something he'd been to. And it got him thinking about how we don't have very many opportunities to share what we know with the people around us. And so he proposed that we do the free school at Waldegrave. And then we did. We talked about it, those of us who are living at the farm and thought it was a good idea. And essentially the first year, it was really just friends of ours. The free school has always been pretty much advertised by word of mouth. 
So we had an invitation that we sent out to our friends, and they were welcome to invite friends of theirs. It wasn't closed in any way, but it wasn't widely publicized. We didn't send out mass emails. We just sent out individual emails and specifically asked people to come and often suggested, you know, I'd love to hear about X that you've been studying all this time, or I know you've been reading a lot about this, or I know you're really good at this kind of suggesting something that maybe they might present or do a workshop on because people are often, you know, shy about the things that they know about and might not jump forward to propose a workshop. The first year was smaller, too. I think there was about 50 people. The second year, I think it was the second year, basically doubled in size, and that's essentially the capacity. We do the cooking out of a regular kitchen, and it takes place on a piece of land with limited facilities. So 100 people is really as many people as we can handle, 100 people usually plus organizers. So for a couple of years after that, it filled up almost immediately. We really didn't have to do any kind of promotion at all. We're in our 11th year now, and the past few years we've found we're spreading the word on Facebook, et cetera, a little bit more, encouraging people to come but, yeah, it hasn't gotten a lot bigger since the first few years just because we don't have the capacity to do that. And we're not really interested in organizing a giant event. For me, it's also it's important to unite different types of communities because I think amongst the left, especially the left that I've experienced in eastern Canada, there tends to be divisions amongst what you're working on, what sort of social group you're part of. Not to say that it's exaggerated in comparison to any other place. And so what I think I'm trying to strive towards in free school and what free school accomplishes in a lot of ways is to bring various different groups that are working on projects that have similar goals and are coming from similar places together. And there aren't a lot of spaces that do that, to be honest. I think it's very easy to stay within your own particular milieu or your own particular comfort zone when it comes to the type of work that you do. Free school is really an opportunity to recharge before the coming year. I've been a student for the past six years, and of course, September for me is actually the beginning of my year. I'm no longer a student, but I still think that viewpoint is one that a lot of people share. It's sort of like a coming together of a broader community to recharge, reinvigorate, and inspire ourselves before we, in the wintertime, get back to the work that we do on an everyday basis. Tell me about the farm, about the land where you hold the free school. Waldegrave Farm is almost 100 acres. It's just outside of Tadamagush on the north shore of Nova Scotia. When we bought it, there's one big old farmhouse that has remained somewhat communal. Folks who are working on the farm or are just staying or passing through or don't have a permanent house on the land stay in the farmhouse. There's several outbuildings, a few big barns. And then since we bought the land, there's three houses that have been built on the land by folks who are leaseholders. And it's mostly fields and then also some forests. One of the leaseholders is a farmer, and she's a four-acre market garden that I've been working on for the past four years or so. And they sell vegetables in Halifax and in Truro and in Tadamagush. And then other folks who live on the farm have animals chickens, pigs, but aren't making their living farming. Walk me through the organizing process that happens in advance of the school, maybe using this year's instance as an example. 
we're all pretty busy people at the farm and folks have started having children, et cetera. Things have gotten busier rather than less busy. And so the free school, it's not necessarily prioritized and it kind of self-organizes and then there's a lot of work that goes in in spurts or at the last minute. We've been trying over the past few years to involve other people outside the farm to help organize free school just because they're great people and have a lot of great ideas and also because time is limited for the people who are currently living at the farm. And so I think it was probably in May that we started looking for folks to help organize a free school this year. And Omri's on the programming committee. And Omri, maybe you can speak to how it's gone since then. Sure, yeah. We've been meeting perhaps every two or three weeks, slower at first. And now that it's approaching, we're meeting more regularly. It's been pretty informal This has been done for 10 years before us, so there's a bit of a grid. But what's interesting is that there's always room for improvement. For all of us, we've got many different projects going on. And that's one of the more interesting aspects of it, actually, is that the people who are organizing the festival are also involved in various communities. So between those of us who are doing the programming, there are a lot of different projects and a lot of different communities that are accessed. And that is contributing to the diversity of the workshops that are being put on. So we meet up every so often and we're going over what are our priorities. But it's also a fairly easy process to figure out the programming thus far, just from my experience this year, because there is a really rich depth of experience amongst people that we all collectively know. So I looked at the workshop spreadsheet the other day and it blew me away what's being programmed. I think all of us were a bit nervous to look at it after we put the call out for workshops, but I was really pleasantly surprised. So that part, it's almost like it takes care of itself. There's a little guidance necessary in terms of making sure that the space is there, making sure that everything is arranged so that there's diversity in terms of the schedule for each day, like it's not all the same type of workshop at any time, making sure that we're relating to different communities and that we have different types of workshops. It's not all just farm-based. It's not all just political action-oriented. It's not all spiritual, that diversity. I think that's something that we're trying to keep in check, and it's almost accelerating like the amount of work that we're doing and then also the progress that's being made. Other than the programming committee, there's a few other folks one coordinator who's working on getting the grounds ready, the area where people are going to camp, setting up composting toilets and creating signs to show where people are going to park, etc. That's always a big job. We have someone helping to coordinate volunteers, specifically before the free school helping with setup. And then also during the free school, we always get participants to volunteer, helping in the kitchen mostly. And yeah, food is actually a huge part of free school and something that takes a lot of organizing and a lot of work. When people come to free school, all the food is included in the price and most of the food is grown on the premises or very close by. Generally, it's pretty much almost 100% organic and local. So that takes coordinating to source that and then to cook for 100 people in a farmhouse kitchen for three days takes a lot of work. 
And then there's someone who's doing registration who's going to be coordinating that, and then one other person who's coordinating music, which is also often a big part of free school, having music in the evenings. Tell me more about how the people who create free school think about its mission and its goal. For instance, tell me about the kinds of guidance that you give to people who might want to do a workshop regarding what the space is for and what kinds of workshops would be welcome. The guidance that we've given, to be honest, in the past has actually been pretty minimal. In the workshop application, it does ask how your workshop relates to the mission of free school, which is the free school aims to be a radical education space that offers people tools to create a more just, sustainable, and joyful world. And so in doing that, we ask people to think about their workshop in that context and think about how they're planning on teaching it and engaging people. And we notice, you know, that it sounds like folks are going to rely pretty heavily on an overhead projector and are going to give us straight, um, it's okay to give a lecture at the free school. It's not like it's not allowed or something, but just to make sure that you're doing it in an engaging way. But we haven't ever had a problem with a workshop being proposed that was, you know, overtly racist or problematic in a serious way. It's pretty open, generally. People can go to whatever workshop they want at the free school, and so it just kind of self-organizes that way. People can support the workshops that they're most interested in supporting and going to. I think for me, it's also been about who I choose to ask to do a workshop because I think yeah, for a, a lot point. of people, there isn't a sense that they're capable of putting on a workshop. I think most people think that that's a skill beyond their scope. And it's one thing to know how to do something. It's another thing to be able to translate that into teaching it. And I think that because of the way that our society is structured and because of the way we're disempowered through our education system, our formal education system, most of us think that we need far more experience or far more knowledge to be able to lead other people through something than we actually are. And I think the aspect of co-learning is really present in free school. The idea that I might not know everything about this field of study, but maybe if you come to my workshop and you do know something that I don't know, you can contribute that too. And it's not this sense that you somehow need to be the expert and the people aren't the vessel to be filled. It's the collaborative effort to educate ourselves about something, and ultimately that's really empowering. That all said, this is my first year that I'm offering a workshop because I've been intimidated to offer a workshop before that or felt like I didn't have anything to put forward. And I think that that just goes to show that it's something that is deeply personal, whether you feel like you're in the space to teach or if you have something to offer in that way. And it's really wonderful to see people rise to the occasion and actually believe that they can contribute something. And so that's actually my favorite part about being on the organizing committee for the workshops is I get to tell people that I believe in what they're actually doing and that I think they have something to offer other people. And there are a lot of people, especially people who have been taught their whole lives that they don't have anything worth saying, who feel hesitant and need that extra push from someone to say, oh, no, actually, you are worthy or you have something to contribute. I used to be involved in student politics, and typically when I would ask women to run for positions, the first answer would be laughing or flat out no. The second answer would be like a flattery, but a polite declining. And then the third answer, they would actually consider it. Usually when I would ask men to do it, they would immediately say yes <laughs> or say, oh, yeah, of course, I've been thinking about that. So I think it's a similar thing. 
a lot of people realize it only when someone else tells them. Tell me about the kinds of workshops that you've had in past years and that are coming up this year. There's been all kinds of workshops put on at free school, and certainly not all of them are overtly political in any way. I mean, we've definitely had, you know, two years ago, a woman who'd spent several years in Palestine, specifically in Gaza, spoke about her experiences there. We have often tried to make sure we have First Nations folks speaking about struggles that are happening locally in the area. We've had people talking about this struggle in Elsipoktuk, I mean, fracking. Someone spoke a few years ago from Picto Landing about their struggle against environmental racism and the pollutants that are going into their water. But we've also had, you know, make-your-own ice cream workshops, bike repair workshops, exploring the property and identifying medicinal herbs or learning about different kinds of plants. There's a lot of hands-on stuff. There's a local guy in the area who does masonry stuff, and he's done collaborative projects over the years where people have helped him build a bread oven that we continue to use at the free school or built a patio at the farm that is one of the areas that we use at free school. Workshops on educating young boys. Killing Roadkill was a memorable one. There have been a lot on body movement, healing our bodies as a way of sustaining ourselves. I went to one on strategic planning that's informed pretty much the last five years of my activism. There have been really amazing film screenings. But what's also interesting is the conversations in between the workshops that just happened. And those, you're combining your knowledge with other people. You sit down in the middle of this beautiful, like the farm is just gorgeous. The amount of work that's gone into it, and then just late August in Nova Scotia, especially in that area, it's beautiful. And you're in that milieu, and you have explored all these workshops yourself, and then you're talking with someone who's gone to different workshops, and the conversations you have are amazing. This year, we have workshops. <laughs> I'm just going to read from the titles because they're funny. We've got one called Gentle Yoga, Gentle Economies, which is about the economy's impact on our bodies and minds. Then we have one about energy production and storage, how to create our own renewable energy systems apart from the energy grid. Looking at storytelling as a means of communicating for activist purposes. We've got one called Dancing Our Way to Ecological Justice and Freedom. We have a workshop on harm reduction. We've got ones on urban chickens. We've got one on the radical imagination and how we can employ that. A lot of them are about how to sustain yourself for the long haul. And we've been working around different themes this year as the organizing group. And one of our themes is sustaining our communities together. And I think it's interesting that we did that. I don't know if it's totally related to us having put that out there in the first place, but a lot of the workshops that people are proposing are about how to sustain yourself and your friends and your family while also striving for these ambitions about revolution. So whether that involves body movement or it involves eating right, whether it involves raising kids in certain ways over the years, there have been a lot of workshops on how to do it sustainably. And I think there's also this tension that happens where you do want to learn these hard skills about how to impact society, but you also want to learn skills about how to keep on impacting society in the long run. 
And what about your own workshops? The one that I'm facilitating, I'm a bit bashful of it because I really want it to have, I don't know, a bit more hard-heating or political edge, but I'm facilitating a Tai Chi workshop in the early morning to get people moving and to speak about some of the Tai Chi philosophy while we enjoy the surroundings. I'm going to be on a panel this year called Loving the Land with a Vengeance. We're still actually figuring out the panelists, but I'll be talking about Waldegrave Farm and the Community Land Trust model and also probably organic farming. There is another woman who is part of the Breaking the Silence Network, which is based out of Tatamagush. She lives half of her year in Tatamagush and half in Guatemala. It's a solidarity network that works with Guatemalans fighting against Canadian mining companies in Guatemala. And so she's going to be talking about that struggle and, yeah, other panelists to be announced. Give me a sense of who attends the free school. There's certainly a lot that come from Halifax, and I think we definitely get some of the university population coming to free school, often people that are involved in activism in some way. More and more, we're getting people from the Tatamagush area and the North Shore their connection to the farm is not necessarily connected through activism, but through the farming community or the organizing community on the North Shore. We often get a few carloads from Montreal. To be perfectly frank and honest, it's a pretty white, middle-class crowd, I would say. So one thing that often comes up in movement contexts or in alternative community spaces is that no matter how wonderful the people that are brought together to form them, there are still moments of conflict or of oppressive behavior where problems in the larger society are reproduced in the space despite people's best efforts not to do that. What measures to address that when it manifests are there in the context of the free school? We haven't had a lot of where hardly any conflicts come up during free school. In general, and I mean, you bring up a good point, we should have more of probably a policy for how we're dealing with these things. We generally have a group of organizers that I think are pretty thoughtful, smart, compassionate people who can talk to and deal with conflict situations that come up. But to be honest, we really haven't been challenged on that over the years. What are you hoping that the folks who attend free school this year leave with? I hope, like Omri said, it is a time to recharge and in some ways celebrate before starting a new year. I also always hope that, especially through the keynotes, that people obviously learn something and have hopefully the experience of teaching something. And the atmosphere is very warm and supportive, I think, and celebratory through the food and the music. But I do always hope that people are challenged at free school in some way and maybe uncomfortable at points in learning something new or something that tests their comfort levels. We always strive to have that happen in some way at the free school. And I think it's hopefully a pretty safe environment for that to happen. And the free school is something that attracts all sorts of people. And so for folks to be exposed to something that they don't know about or hadn't thought about. I always hope that happens. It's a harvesting, right? It happens right before harvest season. I think what we're also doing is we're harvesting people's experience. And so it's like the food is so important at free school because I feel like it's an embodiment of the work that we're doing and the work that this farm has done to host us. 
And I think it really has that atmosphere. It's like there's so much bounty in terms of the experiences of the people around us that we don't realize is even there. It was interesting to hear Hillary's story about the beginning of preschool because I think its roots are in that too. You know, it's like, oh, I, I guess you've been working on this for a long time, but we don't know about it. Do you want to share something? And that humbleness translates and produces really great workshops that don't feel pretentious and actually feel connected to what we're all working towards. What are you most excited about looking forward to this year's free school? Usually at free school, often I actually don't end up going to that many workshops because the past few years I've been farming or going to the market and so only actually at free school for part of the time or in the evenings or as an organizer, I've just been spending a lot of time organizing. But I still often really enjoy free school, seeing a lot of people I care about, spending a lot of time in the kitchen, usually chopping vegetables and having interesting conversations with people that way. And I always make time to go to the workshops that I'm really excited about and also really enjoy the opportunity to give workshops as well. So I'm looking forward to all of it. Mostly just a time to spend with some good people and learn and challenge myself as, you know, summer's coming to a close and enjoy some swims in the river while we're at it. I think for me, I'm looking forward to what comes out of free school. Like, I'll, I'll be present while I'm there, and I'm looking forward to the actual festival itself and all of the workshops and the people and the food and the setting. But it's like, what can be built from these conversations and from these experiences? And right now, I don't know, Hillary, if you wanted to talk a little about the Tata Center and what it's going through, but I think we have the capacity as the free school to be of aid to organizations and to people because it really is an extended community coming together. And that has a lot of potential. Yeah, it's true. We have tried to harness that energy in the past around various struggles happening around the province, most recently around fracking. The Tatum Good Center is a center in Halifax that does a lot of social justice workshops and organizing throughout the year. They're a retreat center and also an educational center. And yeah, they're in a kind of state of financial crisis right now and are trying to figure out what to do. So they're having a community meeting during the time actually that free school is happening. And we're just in conversation with some of the people who work at the Tatamagush Center and who are on the board about how perhaps we could have some kind of parallel thing at the free school. The way of engaging people there about what's happening at the Tatamagush Center and seeing if we can just the energy and people at the free school perhaps kind of come up with some ideas or thoughts that might be helpful. And also energy maybe over the long term to help sustain the center. Who knows? You have been listening to my interview with Hilary Lindsay and Omri Haven about the Tatamagush Summer Free School, an annual event in rural Nova Scotia that describes itself as, quote, a radical education space that offers people tools to create a more just, sustainable, and joyful world. To learn more about the free school, go to freeschool.usergeneration.ca. That's freeschool.usergeneration.ca. To find out more about Talking Radical Radio, the guests, the theme music, and the ways that you can listen, or to make suggestions about topics for future shows, go to talkingradical.ca and click on the link marked radio. That's talkingradical.ca. 
I'm your host, Scott Nye, a writer and media producer based in Sudbury, Ontario, and the author of two books of Canadian history told through the stories of activists, Gender and Sexuality, and Resisting the State, both from Fernwood Publishing. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you tune in again next week. Thank you.